0: Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Sam last week kicked off this this season that we're going to walk through on the Book of Philippians and uh, delving into. Kind of this combo punch of happiness and the mission. And we believe at Global that they're totally inseparable. You can't, have, uh, you can't be on mission, truly on mission, without being happy. And you can't really be happy without being on mission. And, uh, and Sam started delving into that a little bit, talking about um, habits of happiness and how to form happy relationships Basically, not just like how not to get wound up by everybody all the time, um, which was really, really helpful for me. And because uh, <laughs> I have a six-week-old, and she can be annoying at three in the morning. But we'll get onto that in a while. Because I've never preached with a child in my life before, and believe you me, I'm going to rinse it for analogies <laughs> this morning. <laughs> well, flip me. Anyway, should set a timer, really, shouldn't I? Don't want to waffle on too much. So. Like Sam said, Philippians is written by this guy called Paul, and we find him in this pretty awful situation. He's in prison. He's an old fella. He's been dragged around, beaten, broken a little bit, chucked in prison, all because he's on a mission to reach Rome. And and in this moment, he writes to this church called in Philippi, um, and he writes this letter, the letter of Philippians. And this church sound a little bit familiar to what Global aspire to be. So they are generous, loving, devoted, passionate, a united church who exists solely for reaching unbelievers. Sounds about right, doesn't it? Um, So it sounds a little bit like what we as Global aspire to be like. That's a joke. It sounds a lot like what we aspire to be like. Totally dedicated to reaching out to new people. So there's loads of stuff in here that Paul's talking about that we can glean. For our situation and in our life, as we go out on mission to do exactly the same thing, he points out here, like, these are some of the pitfalls. These are some of the things that are going to distract you. These are some of the things that are going to rob you. When, when you're on mission and everything in life's telling you, lose your joy, lose your happiness, lose whatever... This is what you need to do. And I'm going to start looking at some of them this morning. In fact, I'm going to look at three distractions that come into our life that try and pull us off the mission and back into our own circumstances. And I think Paul gives us three amazing remedies to all one of, every one of those. So all three of these things that, that come into our world at any given time and say, stop doing mission. Stop going out and reaching people. Stop smiling. Stop having a good time. He gives us the remedy to, uh, to get through those three things. But before I get to any of those, I want to underpin the whole thing with a statement. And I think it's a statement. I should have started by saying that the title of today's message, if you do want to write anything down, is how to be happy no matter what. We all want that, right? No matter what, the ups and downs, the, the highs, the lows, the pressures, the pains, the insecurities, the worries, we just want to be happy. Um, Sam talked about it last week, you know, the pursuit of happiness, that film with Will Smith and his little kid. That desperate need on the inside of every one of us to think, I just want to wake up in the morning and go to bed at night and I want to smile at either end. And if I can just about manage it, I want to do it in between as well. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a, a scripture in the Bible, a statement in the Bible that I believe is the key, like the key to being happy all the time. And we find it in the book of Matthew in 6.33. And it's uh, Jesus talking to his disciples. And I think may, some of you may just have heard this before. It says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And uh, and really, that's like... that's If you want to forget everything else I say in the next 26 minutes... You can, if you remember that one statement. That your key to being happy, no matter what, all the time, regardless of situation and circumstance, is to seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and watch God take care of everything else. <laughs> Let me look at some stuff, right? Let's, I'll, I'll use a, a real-life example for, for me first. You might guess what it is. It's family. And it's, uh, it's having a kid, right? So this is a little bit, for me, in a, in a visual way, what having a kid looks like, it's great. So, so you start off, right, fairly fairly indifferent here, right? You start off and you think, we're at that point now, we're, we've been married a while, we're, we're kind of, we're ready. We're ready to start having a kid. And then you start having a kid. You start trying to have a kid, and it's great. <laughs> it's, up, it's right up here. I mean, sometimes you have a bad night and it's down there, but some, most of the time it's up there, right? but then but then it doesn't quite go the way you thought it was going to and and maybe like you end up like right down here because you thought it's we were ready so it's going to happen straight away right that's how that's how these things work but sometimes they don't and you end up right down there at the bottom thinking is this ever going to happen is, there a, is it ever going to be a thing that happens in my life and then and then it does but then it fails, and then it does again, and then it fails. And then you get the hope, like, oh, it's, it's working, it's working. And then they're born, and it's like, up there, you're given there. And then that first 3 a.m. scream session, <laughs> you're right. I don't know if I can go for <laughs> You're right down there, right? That's a, that's a little bit about, like, what having a kid's like. It's the, it's the ups, the downs. Sorry if you're pregnant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's great. (laughs) The ups, the downs, right? Like that's basically the path of anything in life, right? And it's probably the reason why we struggle to be happy no matter what. Like, think about it in your financial life, say. Your finances are, are good. And then you think, you know what? I'm ready. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy my first house. So you start saving money, but then that bill comes and you're right down there. And then you think, no, no, it's it's fine. It's just a minor blip. I'm going to start saving money again. And then, and then uh, you you meet with your mortgage advisor. who tells you because of some weird Brexit thing, or like you're right down here again. And then you're up, and then you're down. You eventually get in your house. You find that there's this problem that needs fixing in the house, your dream house. So you're all the way down there. And then there's, you get what I mean, right? Life is a bit like that. And then Jesus comes in with this thing and says, I've got. Like I've got a life hack. In fact, it's the ultimate in life hacks when it comes to happiness. If you want to be happy, no matter what, bypass all of these ups and downs. Forget about every single time where you have to go up because you're dreaming and then down because it failed and then back up again because something happens and then back down because it flops and then back up again because you succeed. Forget about all those things. Just live on this eternal happiness line called the mission, that cuts through every single one. Yeah. It's that one right there. That is Matthew six thirty-three. When you're up, seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and everything will fall into place. When you're down, seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and everything will fall into place. That is like the ultimate life hack. If you're just on mission, if you're seeking first the kingdom and all his righteousness, if you're chasing after God all the time, every time, He'll, the everything else is sorted out by someone who is way better at sorting out the everything else than you'll ever be. And you just get to live on this permanent line of like, I can be happy no matter what. In my ups and downs, I can be happy because I can always seek first. I can't always succeed in finances, I can't always get the promotion that I want, but I can always seek first the kingdom. I can always chase God's righteousness and watch him take care of everything else. I mean, Paul in this moment is like the, the human embodiment of this scripture. <laughs> Think about what he's doing. Like, he's, he's on mission. He's been out planting churches. He's, he's, he's seen this incredible success all over the place. And then he goes to like the final destination, the one that he's always wanted. He heads over to Rome, the capital city where all the big wigs are and he gets put in prison, probably again. I'm nowhere near a good enough Bible scholar to tell you if this is the first or like 15th time he's been in prison but let's just say in this moment he's had some ups and downs but he manages to bypass the three distractions that I'm going to talk about by just sticking on that line. Regardless of whether I'm in prison or planting a church, whether I'm being shipwrecked Or seeing brand new people find Christ for the first time. As for me, I'm just going to, not me, Paul, but me hopefully as well. I'm just going to seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness. Does this make a little bit of sense? I forgot to say the line. that The true reason I brought out this flip chart is I I just wanted to say, for all the podcasters listening around the world, I'm really sorry that you can't see my awesome diagram. But uh, (laughs) Sam talked about two words last week. And I think they're so important. We had, honestly, probably 25, 30 minutes of our discussion at dinner party was talking about these two words that ultimately are the two words that permanently rob you of any happiness in your life. It's when and then. (laughs) Anyone else? Like, when I get, then I'll be happy. When I meet, then I'll be happy. When I am, then I'll be happy. When I get to go to, then I'll be happy. When I achieve, then I'll be happy. Right, we all. I can't be the only person who lives under that, right? The when and the then. And uh, that is like this line, right? The, the curvy one. This down here is the when, and then this up here is the then. So like, when you're down here, when we get pregnant, then I'll be happy. Or when I get the pay rise, then I'll be good. When Andy finishes his t- to-do list. Yeah. That'll be really... <laughs> even even worse even worse we put this on the mission like it's we live under it in our own lives but we put it on top of god's mission as well like when i get then i'll tell someone about god when they are ready then i'll invite them to church like anyone's ever fully ready <laughs> when i'm more confident then i'll reach out to my friend in the office when i can be bothered Then I'll turn up on a Sunday. (laughs) Like when and then we turn the mission into this thing about like, if I feel good and if I feel happy, I can do it. But Jesus says there's this other way. Just seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and watch me take care of everything else. You press on on this constant, the one constant line you can have really in your life. And I'll take care of the ups and downs. When everything else is, yeah, hang on. Yeah, you might be sat there thinking like, this is a pretty awful example. (laughs) Like we're looking at Paul, he's been beaten, broken and he's in prison and you're saying, if you just seek first God and all his righteousness, everything else will fall into place. (laughs) But you're talking about a guy in prison. (laughs) It's the perfect example. It's the perfect example because what I'm about to look at now, it's the perfect example because in in this, Paul isn't subject to any of his surroundings or circumstance. He isn't bowing down and he isn't broken by any of his situations. In fact, his life only gets bigger and better. His joy only increases in these moments here because of his his determination just to stick on the on that what line, that one line. Sorry. Shall we have a look at one of these three? The first one is this pain. Pain. Pain's a pretty good distraction in life, right? If you're trying to live on that line of seat first the kingdom, pain is usually pretty good at pulling you off that line and back down to this one here, right? Is that, is that just me? When you, when you get that, if, if we talk about like head, heart and hands, pain is the one that lives in your heart. I'm not talking about like when you stub your toe or you get a splinter, I'm talking about like pain in your heart where there's a situation or circumstance that's like attacking like you on the inside and it's desperately trying to pull you away from your mission, where you actually find joy and down into these like deeper, darker moments of yourself where you just want to retreat and give up. I imagine in this moment, I like to read between the lines a little bit, that Paul, maybe, as he is human, probably had a little bit of pain in his heart. Like, there might have been a moment where he was a little bit disappointed, thinking, God, like, I've been doing this. I've been putting into practice this exact thing that you tell me to do. I've been seeking first the kingdom and all his righteousness, and I've been beaten up. I'm in prison, and I have to wear sandals because I live in the New Testament. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> and we can get like that. We can get like that when we're, when we're doing that thing, when we're seeking first the kingdom and all his righteousness and we're trusting God to make everything else fall into place and then something happens and we can get so easily distracted from that mission and pulled into a point of no joy in our life. Pain is these moments down here. Pain is like they're not getting a promotion when someone else does. Pain is like... The total flop in your relationship. Pain is losing someone really dear to you. Pain is whatever it is for you in this moment. If I was in prison, I'd be saying, well, when I get out, then I'll start talking about the gospel. (laughs) When I get out of prison, this little embarrassing part of my life that I don't want anyone to know about, don't tell the other believers that I'm in prison. It's not a good look. Then, then I'll go out and start sharing your word. Not Paul. Paul says this now the elite roman guards this is in uh, philippians i'm going to skip around but it's in philippians 1:12 to 30 this whole next section it says now the elite guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that i am here because of my love for the anointed one and what i'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the lord and to be the bold and passionate to preach the word of god all because of my chains What an attitude. Man, do I wish I was like that when I was in pain. Like, he's in the worst point of his life, and he's still living this line, because he knows that if he lives that line, when his circumstances are telling him to live down there, non-believers look and think, flip me, this guy's got something, and all the believers look and go, I want some of what he's got. It's amazing, it's like... it just answers every question that you could possibly have in that moment. We talk about it all the time, but God desperately wants to use your mess as a message. Like, he really, really, really does. Like, I can guarantee it. Not many of your friends who don't yet come to church will fully understand when you, count, when you talk to them about John three sixteen. They won't. You can spend 20 minutes trying to explain it. Or you can spend two minutes explaining how God got you out of that moment, or that moment, or that moment. And the joy that you... Even if you're still in it, that's even better in the moment where you're still in that moment, or that moment, and that moment. And you can say, I've still got joy. That speaks so much more abundantly. Check this out for a little bit of a number. Paul firstly talks about the Roman gods and officials. So imagine this, Paul is on mission, right? He's he's decided, I'm going to Rome. And when he gets there, he gets put in prison. So his instant gut reaction must be, the mission's over. But then he gets put amongst the elite Roman gods and Roman officials. So the exact people that he went to meet that he may not have ever met if he'd have just carried on doing what he wanted to do and how he thought it would play out, he started meeting. This is how many he met. He was chained to somebody 24 hours a day and they were changed every four hours. So in the approximate two years he was in prison in Rome, he would have witnessed to approximately 4,380 elite Roman guards and government officials. Would he have done that otherwise? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'd have found a way, but I seriously doubt in two years he would have found the time to to have a specific four-hour session with 4,380 people. I can't find four hours to fit one person in, in a week, and this guy gets given two years to be on mission. Why? Because he never bows to that, and he never spends his moments wishing away till the point where he's in that. He just lives on that line of, Seek first the kingdom. And then there's the added benefit. I mean, if I was in prison, I wouldn't want any of you to know. Any of you. But he goes and tells all the believers, knowing that when they know that even though he's there, he's still living on that line, they're more courageous and they're more bold as well. I love it. So the antidote, the remedy when you're feeling pain. In the moments where your heart's hurting the most, and everything in your life is telling you, don't seek first the kingdom. Don't go out and reach people. Don't go and tell people about the good news you've got. Wallow down here. Sit in this. Spend all your life wishing for the moments when you're up here. The remedy is, remember who's watching. Remember who's watching. I promise, this is the last time I'll mention it. But six weeks ago yesterday, Nick gave birth to our daughter right? And um, it's amazing. It is It's honestly the best thing. And, um, and our journey to getting pregnant, I kind of alluded, alluded to it a minute ago, was this. It took us about five or six years of trying and believing. We had miscarriages. We were told it wouldn't happen by specialists. Uh, Nick had multiple operations. Um, we had IVF treatments, which we thought had failed and they didn't. What I'm trying to say is We had ups and downs. And I promise you this, at every single up and every single down, I flopped. I promise you, every single time there was a down moment where it looked like it wasn't going to happen, I sat in it. And every time there was a glimmer of hope, I sat in it. And the only time, the only time I ever truly found the peace and joy through the situation was when I forgot about them And sat there. Sat there and thought, there's people watching. Our non-Christian friends are watching this situation pan out. Our Christian friends are watching how this works out for us. And I promise you now, we have testimony upon testimony of our non-Christian family and friends who've prayed consistently for the first time for that baby. Honestly, Nick has... Nick has so many stories of being on the wards in hospitals where a non-Christian friends who don't come to church, who openly talk about never wanting to come to church, constantly go over and uh, we're constantly going over and saying, keep going, I've been praying for you again. and believing it's going to happen. Last night, I, um, we were at a party down in Lanks for one of Nick's um, cousins. He got engaged. Numerous people who I don't know and have never met came up to me as I was holding grace and said, That's your miracle child. That's the one that took a while to get here, but people prayed for it. Donna, who's next, she's been telling us about how everyone's been praying and the church was praying for you, and now she's here even though it couldn't happen. How awesome is that? Like, in that moment, believe me, there's no part of me that thinks, I need to find a scripture to tell them so that they fully believe that God's real. They do. (laughs) They can see it in that moment. They can see it. And, like, we wouldn't have got through any of that if it wasn't for people in this room. We were watching other people's pain. We watched how we walked through things. We watched how journeyed through this exact same thing. And it helped us get through the pain. Because in their moments, they just kept seeking first the kingdom and all its righteousness. And it worked for them, so why wouldn't it work for us? So, if you're in pain this morning, if you're in one of these moments where you feel like it's never going to change, I challenge you, remember who's watching Because when you remember that and seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness, not only does everything fall into place, not only do all the little bits of your life just tend to get shaken up and fall down when God's in control, but also you have these amazing stories to tell both believers, non-believers, and everyone in between of how God turned up in your life, just like Paul did. The second one is pressure. Pressure. So if pain is in your heart, pressure is in your head. Pressure is the bill that comes through the door. Pressure is like the person walking away from your life. Pressure is whatever it is that just causes you to stop thinking mission and start thinking circumstance. Whatever that is for you, it's pressure. Paul says this about pressure. I can hardly wait to continue on my course. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail, so in the middle of pressure only serves to make Christ more accurately known, regardless of whether I live or die. Ah, oh, the amount of times I've, like, buried myself under supposed pressure of, like, one bill or, like, <laughs> one bit of money or, like, oh, my exhaust just fell off and the garage want £100 to fix it. And in my mind, that's, like, the ultimate pressure. I can never tell anyone about God until I find that £100. <laughs> And Paul's in prison thinking, I might live or die. But he's fine. Why? Because he rejoices. He says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Remember who's in control. The obvious way to think about that is down here, right? Where pressure's just like overwhelming you. When pressure's on top of you and crushing you and it feels like it's squashing you and you're like, I can't do anything. Maybe when this goes or maybe when this situation finishes, then I'll get back onto the mission or then I'll go to dinner party again or then I'll tell my friend about God or then, 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 then. But it's just as easy to get into pressure up here, right? When you are succeeding when things are going really well, like when you bought your first house and you spent all your money and then they want the first mortgage payment. (laughs) So you're in success mode, you're in the then, but there's still the added pressure and both of those times it, it can pull you away from the true joy in life which is being on God's mission. I can imagine now if we were in a panto or if you were slightly more confident, You'd be thinking, well, how, Matt? You'd be saying, what's the remedy? Tell me. I'm dying to know. How do you get rid of this pressure in your life? Well, you can worship or you can worry. Tom just said it earlier. It's it's honestly nothing new. You can pray or you can panic. But you can't do both. (laughs) Those two things are mutually exclusive. So you can worship or you can worry. You can pray or you can panic. When pressure's there, you can live in either one of these spaces. But if you seek first the kingdom, i.e. worship or pray, regardless of what the pressure is, you will be pulled into this middle line of joy and the mission. Have you ever noticed that people who worship just don't seem to worry as much? Or people who've got a really good prayer life, nothing seems to panic them. Like, I'm sure it does, but they're really good. If you want to know, like, my ultimate grandmaster of this, it's our senior leader, Dave. That guy carries more pressure than anyone I know. He's got businesses. He's got us lot. He's got churches. He's got kids that are all over the world doing amazing things. He's got pressure, 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 pressure. But he always lives on this line of seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and everything else will fall into place. And it is no surprise to me that he lives on that point when you hear him pray or you see him worshipping. I think that's the key. That's why he lives on that line. I know for me, like when I bought my first house and it was a complete miracle because I'd convinced myself not only could I never buy a house like I I'd, I'd told myself repeatedly you Matt are not the kind of person who can buy a house I also had no money so I was telling me and the bank was telling me which are pretty too convincing arguments <laughs> right and uh, and every time I looked at my bank balance I went down here but then I'd go and view a house and I'd be up here <laughs> and then I'd look back at my bank balance and I'd go back down here and you can see where I'm going with it It was only in the moments where I just worshipped and prayed that I did I appear back on this thing of like, I'll get a house, it'll fall into place, but I'll just keep seeking the kingdom. I'll just follow God. And I know I'm being really flippant and I know I'm making it sound super easy and believe me it wasn't and it isn't. And I know that when there's pain or pressure or the last one that I'll get onto in a sec, it's not easy to get out of, but the key is easy. Like Sam was saying last week, so much of the Bible, you read it and think, that's got to be too good to be true. That's got to be too simple to be true until you put it, try and put it into place. And you think, ha, ah, ha, it's not simple. I knew it all along. But we, you could be doing this in mission as well, right? You could be striving and seeking and backing yourself into a rut, trying to reach out, trying to have the conversation at work, trying to run the best possible dinner party, trying to grow church. Like giving giving yourself a Chinese burn after a Thursday night because only nine people turned up and not ten. Like, ah, the starters weren't on time. If you have starters, we do students, we don't have starters. (laughs) We just have lots and it's all carbs. It's awesome. But (laughs) you can be doing that in mission as well, going up and down. Unless you're living in that middle line of, I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship, I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit and I'm going to seek first the kingdom. And I'm going to watch everything else fall into place. So that's the first one, is pain. Remember who's watching. The second one is um, pressure. Remember who's in control, is God. <laughs> when you're in control, this is what your life looks like. When God's in control, that, in fact, that's not even a fair representation. It's actually more like this. But I haven't got time to get into that right now. Purpose is the last one. If pain is in your heart and pressure is in your head, then purpose is in your hands. It's what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do? Paul puts it really simple. For me to live is Christ. I love that. For me to live is Christ. If there's one blank, if there's one space in your life that will truly determine whether you spend All of your time living on this roller coaster of up and down and up and down rather than this constant eternal joy of being on mission. It's the end of the statement. For me to live is. Whatever you put in that space will determine where you are on here. So if I was to ask you, and this will be a really good one to talk about at dinner party. If I was to ask you what you put in that space and you give me an answer, I'll be able to tell you pretty much if you're on this line or this line. If you were to put entertainment, sports, clothes, family, friends, career, all great things, all fantastic things that every one of us should want to do well in. Every one of us should want to have a great family or a great career. There's nothing wrong with wanting to drive a nice car or live in a great house. But, if that's the one thing that's in that blank space, I promise you, you're going to be either climbing up the highs or dropping down the lows and probably spending a large proportion of your time missing out on the joy that's found in mission. But when you fill it with, for me to live is Christ, man, that's that line. That's that sweet spot. That's that As for me, I'm going to seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness. And all this, I'm going to watch Christ slot it all into place. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with putting any of those things. Let's take money, for example. There's nothing wrong with wanting more money. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do well. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful. But you better believe that you were purposed and created for way more than that. Way, way, way more than that. There's no way God spent the time that he did imagining and dreaming and knitting you together inside of your mother's womb, creating you, destined you. There's no way he did all that so that you could just make loads of money, die and give it away. There must have been this bigger thing in his mind. There must have been this, this bigger purpose on his agenda when he thought about you. That agenda, that purpose is that line. To seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and let him take care of the rest. How awesome is it that we get to live as part of this eternal rescue mission? Like the biggest plan, the biggest mission that has ever, ever been. You get to be an integral part of that. How good is that? Like you get to be an integral part of that point. You get to be part of that plan of going out into all the world and reaching people for the first time, taking out this incredible hope and joy and peace and love that we have. You get to be a part of taking that out if you fill in that blank with Christ. For me to live is Christ. I'm going to seek the kingdom with all I have. And that's my challenge to you today, to reset your notion of purpose, to rethink about what's in that blank, at the end of your life, at the end of your statement. Because if Christ's in there, it doesn't mean that pain isn't going to come knocking. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to face pressure ever again. But what it does mean is that you never, ever have to go on these massive ups and massive downs. Because when Christ is there, you can just ride the wave of anything that life throws at you. Because he's the central point in your life. Let me recap. Do you want to be happy no matter what? Yeah? Through the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the pains and the pressures. Well, remember who's watching. Let that be a motivation to you this week. Remember who's watching. Don't feel the pressure of having to say something profound all the time. Just live your life profound. Like, and by profound, I mean God first. <laughs> In your workplace, if you live with God first, that will be the most profound thing you could ever do. <laughs> Remember who's in control. So when, whether you're down there or up there or somewhere in between, whether you're in that moment when you're thinking, when, 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 or you're actually living in the moment of like, then, 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 I'm there, I've made it. Remember who's in control. Remember who has the ability to make it all fall into place. Or remember who actually did make it all fall into place. And most importantly, remember what's actually really important. When you seek first the kingdom and live fully for Christ, you'll become like Paul, a man possessed by the mission, sold out for others, and experiencing all the weird, strange, and unbelievable joy that comes with it. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.